What is up, Grizz Nation? Welcome back to another edition of The Long View, a Memphis Grizzlies podcast on the Grizzly Beer Blues Podcast Network, alongside GBB Live, the Core 4 Podcast, 3ND Podcast, and the Starting 5 Podcast. Find out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. And Grizzly Beer Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. And in case uh, that you're new to this episode and haven't checked Twitter, the uh, debut episode of The Long View, this is a podcast as an extension of a uh, full recap I did over the course of the NBA season for the Grizzlies, where I would take different storylines from a, from a game and look at it with the sense of the long view, you know, not just this season, but two, three, four years down the road. And ultimately, we're hoping that the Memphis Grizzlies are competing for championships and achieving that uh, shared vision from Zach Kleiman, Robert Para, Jason Wexler, and Taylor Jenkins for sustainable success. So I'll be doing this on the Grizzlies Blues Podcast Network. But let's get into this show. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. And with me is none other than the co host of mornings with pete insane over at sports 56 as he always reminds me he is the memphis media pop star himself he is the the og outsider it's none other than anthony sane saying what's up dude what's going on bro miss uh miss laura told me that i'm more of a uh local uh, local sports influencer than a pop star so. the influence I, I think so I, I'll, I'll answer either one of those you know I mean, with the T-shirts and stuff, I mean, the T-shirts have been booming lately. Yeah, they have, man. They have. They've been doing well. It slowed down uh, a little bit, you know, since the season's over, of course. But, you know, I'm going to have some. You know, I'm going to drop some draft night for them, you know. You know how they Abs- do. Absolutely. And, yeah, you can find mm-hmm. the, all those T-shirts over at AsylumTees901.com. He's got Desmond Bain T-shirts, John Jaron T-shirts, Dylan the Villain shirts, and – um I like I like the notorious uh, the big ripoff of uh, King Climbing. That that's a <laughs> yeah. that's an all timer right there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There's I, I wanted to get Sane on this podcast not only because he's one of my good friends in Memphis media, somebody who mm. who will uh, ride and die for me, but uh, he, he's also really ride or die with Jan Jackson Jr. I mean, from mm. the moment he stepped into summer league, he's uh, dubbed him as the Block Panther, uh, the Black Unicorn. <laughs> Uh, uh, I get, I get, I guess a new one I'm gonna throw over at saying he he's the Quavo of the Migos, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. A, that's all. Those two, Black Panther and Black Unicorn, was uh, that was actually Cam stuff, but you know, whatever Cam on, you know, we gonna we gonna ride, we rode together as one, so you know. It, yeah, it's a, it's but an yeah. outsiders thing, so it, uh-huh, it's definitely sure. definitely put together. But now this man's also every season in some way, form or fashion, he's. He stuck to the narrative of freeing Jaron Jackson Jr., whether it was JB's Bickerstaff not 
giving him enough looks as a rookie and not letting him play through mm-hmm. mistakes. I mean, hell, he sat him for – it took a broken jaw for Jermichael Green to get him mm-hmm. in the starting lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. Taylor Jenkins figuring out how to use him in year two. And in this season with uh, the injury fiasco with Jaron Jackson Jr., saying has just always been free Jaron. He, he's always ro- ride and die with Jaron. And, you know, I wanted to get you on here because you got to admit, people are kind of tripping on Jaron Jackson Jr., right? Oh, they always have, always will. You know what I do. Absolutely. And th- there's one thing I, I get stuck with for Jaron Jackson Jr., and I, I had this – with Jaron and with uh, Justice as well is with the amount of time that they were going to play this season, I was just going to ride with the fat flashes that they provided. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. going to really critique much of their game at all because let's be honest, they, they rehabbed an entire season for about for Jaron is about eight, nine months. He was having to do this in a pandemic. He had no training camp, no preseason. Uh, yeah, he mm-hmm. hadn't played full basketball since the bubble, and then now he's immediately thrown into high-pressure games, playoff games, and yeah, no one played. Races. Yeah, that, that's you know that that's not your February March games versus teams mm-hmm. like the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Sacramento right. Kings or anything. These are like high-leverage games where every win really has extra meaning. Mm-hmm. He only played about a little less the than level. 400 minutes a season. But saying, I want to ask you, what flashes from Jaron did you see this season, where you're like, "Hey, this is this is a, this is the guy that's that cornerstone alongside John Morant." Uh, it looks like he's found what he wants his role to be as a player. Uh, Jaron's one of those guys throughout his career who he's kind of had trouble kind of finding his way, and he didn't like he he didn't feel like he had completely found it, but he seems settled in on being the guy who's going to take high volume amount of threes and is going to find a way to get to the basket. That seems to be his game. That there's no mid-range game, but it's all. Mm, no mid-range. It's either three or he's going to get to the basket. Not really much of a post-up game either uh, from Jaron. I mean, he, he's he's evolving in front of our eyes. Uh, when he first got here with Coach Bickerstaff, he was most of the guy that you would post up. Every now and again, he would get a three-point shot off. Jaron was taking seven, eight, nine, ten three-pointers in the game uh, when he came back. Uh, his shot looked a little off, looked like he was kind of pushing the ball a little more than he uh, typically does, typically should or whatever. But, um, you know, he that that's a bright spot I found. Uh, the rebounding was better. Mm-hmm. The um, fouls were better. You know what I mean? He's, you know, the game is kind of slowing down for him, even in even in, in moments where it seems like the game was, the moment was too big for him. Um, it did seem like he was kind of slowing down and, I saw a lot of intensity from him during a lot of certain moments. And uh, that's something I'm definitely excited from um, outside of the, the frustration, uh, the frustrating moments as well. Um, because even this being somebody who is fully supportive of, J- of Jaren, I, I share the same frustrations, a lot of the same frustrations other people do. But um, there were some, there was some good that I can get from a guy who, like you said, only played in 11 games and started even less. I want to say he didn't start in things like four games before going into the mm-hmm. playoffs. Um, but, you know, that's just the way things were. They said he wasn't ready to play. Um, kept him out the entire season, you know. So, they wanted to make sure he was 110%. And that's what comes with that. Honestly, don't think they thought they were going to make the playoffs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I thought they figured we'll bring Jaron back. And bringing him back is probably going to make us lose some games. And we're probably going to fall just outside of it. And then the season's going to be over. And, you know, we'll resume this Jaron Jackson project next summer. But when they actually made the playoffs, they was like, oh, crap. 
now we got to keep playing Jaren. You know what I mean? So, and and I also said I wouldn't. I don't think they particularly had to play him. I, even being one of Jaren's biggest supporters, I would not have been messed up if the Grizzlies didn't play Jaren at all in the playoffs. They just stuck with the guys who had got him there. You know, politics may not let that allow that to happen, but you know, I wouldn't have been too messed up at all. And that's the route they decided to go. Uh, I understand that. And I, I'm with you. You know, I'm a Jaren supporter. I, I share the same frustrations, you know, his fouling, definitely something he needs to improve on, especially if he wants to be a guy that wants it. It's con- time for playoff time. If, if he wants to play 30, 35 minutes a night instead of 25, 30, he's going to have to improve his fouling. Uh, he, he made strides as a rebounder. His per 36 numbers rebounding the basketball were 8.7. He actually averaged mm. a whole rebound more this past season. Granted, 11 games, that's a low sample, but mm. a whole rebound better than he did this past season in 2019-20. That's definitely a good step going forward for him. And uh, before we get into the rebound, I kind of want to ask you, because I think one of the most tantalizing things with Jaron is not only um, his three-point volume, but also his defensive switchability. And that, that's something that's going to be very interesting for him at the five spot because he, he's a, a legit seven-footer that we, we saw him switch on to Steph Curry and, and strip him. You, you know, you don't, you don't see that kind of stuff out of, a, out of a seven-foot big man. Is that optimized role for Jaron as this crazy stretch five that can also put the ball on the floor but also defend out in space in the pick and roll? Do you want to see him be more of that five and play – I guess in this more free flowing up and down offense, or do you want to kind of see what we're seeing right now of him being the four, having that big burly big man like Jonas Valanciunas to lean on, mm-hmm. but playing five in crunch time minutes? I think it's so hard to really say right now because in the minutes we saw Jaron at the five, he's playing against the best defensive center in the NBA and one of the best defensive centers in modern NBA basketball. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. and, and also, um, against uh, Derry Favors, who's one of the stronger bigs in the league. So it's kind of hard to really say how the experiment is going to work. We don't know how strong Jaren's going to come back this summer. Uh, he's going to be able to, he's going to have to be able to be stronger if he's going to be a five, even though he's a guy who who's going to live pretty much out on the perimeter. He's going to have to guard some guys on the other end. He's probably mm-hmm. got the best awareness out of all the guys on the team, all the bigs on the team, but um, he's just not physically there. So, you know, he's still a ways away when it comes down to that. Um, I think the exciting thing about Jaron is that he gives you those options. You can play him with possibly a guy like Tillman. You can play him with JV. You can play him in combination with every big on the court, every big mm-hmm. on our roster, whether it be Tilly, whether it be Brandon Clark. You can find a way where Jaron can match. He can play off of any big. There's no combination with Jaron that doesn't work, whether he's the five or the four. So uh, that's one thing I think is very uh, optimal about Jaron. Um, but I, I think he should – I think they should focus on making him a four, especially if JV's willing to be uh, pretty pliable as far as what his role will be with the team as far as not really demanding the ball and just kind of being that guy to get garbage points and, you know, get those Z-bounds, so to speak, or J-bounds, whatever you want to call them for JV. JV-bounds, whatever you want to call JV-bounds, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, JV-bounds. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I would love to see Jaron to be able to hold down the five spot. I'm not really sure. That's, that's the best place to try to put him now, so to speak, or even going into next year. Right. It's, it's all really interesting because, you know, there's all these different routes for the Grizzlies to take where they can keep starting him next to a guy like JV. You know, you, you had to do my guy, 
JV like that and kind of turn him into a, a glorified Kendrick Perkins for a little bit. But right. I, I think I think no, if he can kind of accept being, I guess almost the enforcer, the muscle inside, that'd be really good for him. But you know, he can start next to Tillman and they can kind of switch off that four or five responsibilities depending on the matchup. Mm-hmm. Brandon Clark. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Kyle Anderson. I think Kyle Anderson out of the four options there is probably the best one because he provides that rebounding, that same defensive versatility and such. This is mm-hmm. contract and his age. It's and all those options within Tilly, Tillman, Clark. It's going to make things interesting as well. And uh, I went, one thing I, I do want to get to also is with, with Jaron, this summer, it's going to be his first fully healthy offseason, which I don't, I don't think people realize how how big that is. Because, I mean, rookie year. Yeah, he, yeah his uh, for rookie year, he had that deal where he had that quad injury. I mean, were they kind of just saving him for lottery mm-hmm. odds and stuff like that? I don't know. But then you had the whole weird thing of the bubble where we, we saw what it looked like when he got that healthy time off. He he came back looking like mm-hmm. a little demigod. He looked like, a, looked like a demigod for a little bit. Right. And, now, and now he's going to get to come back and really be healthy and focused on his game. So what is one thing, like, what, what is, like, one thing that you want to see him really improve on this summer going into next season? Because, I mean, for him, when he was asked about that, he just said everything. So like, if you could pick, like, one thing that would be, like, a primary focus for him, what do you want to see him work on the most? Uh, some type of mid-range game. Um, being able to give him the ball in the high post and he finds a way to score. Whether that's getting all the way to the basket or taking a mid-range jump shot or – being a playmaker, I just like him to have some type of mid-range game. Everything with Jaron is either he, you know, he can dribble and get to the basket or he's shooting a three. I, I wish he had some type of mid-range game where, where you make a big man have to go out there and respect you and you just make plays from the high post and he's not he's not there. It's always just either catch and shoot threes or he, you know, takes this giraffe leg dribble that he, mm-hmm. that he, he finds a way to kind of get to the basket. And I wish he had some type of post game. All the greats, Kevin Garnett, uh, Chris Webber, you know, just different versatile power forwards, no matter how much they want to linger outside, they still have that mid-range game. I don't particularly care if he's a post player or not, but I do wish he had some type of uh, high post um, game where he could get something going in that mid-range. No, one thing that's really interesting with that, too, is just Jaren's shot construction compared to the other guys because, you know, he pushes the ball more like you kind of alluded to earlier, and it, it kind of doesn't really – look clean when it comes to creating in the mid-range. A lot of those guys you alluded to, Kevin Garnett, Chris Weber, Anthony Davis, uh, Dirk, mm-hmm. they had those high release points. So do you think yeah. there's going to have to be a little, like, shot reconstruction on his end? To That's what I'm saying. I don't even know. Because even with Jaron, if he could just be a decoy, if he could just catch the ball in that range and just create from that range, and not particularly creating from the three-point line, you know what I mean? Uh, something just to just to give the defense a different look. But the fact that you know he's not going to do anything in there, and, he's not, and, and he may need to reconstruct his shot, you know what I mean, um, to where he can, you know, he has a different shot he can take uh, from the mid-range area. But it's just kind of, it's like it's almost all threes at this point, you know what I mean? So you want to see him do a little bit more, especially at height, because if his height and his body match up, he can be dangerous as far as being a guy who can get to the basket and kind of have his way in that mid-range or whatever. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what he works on this summer. He, he may have to join the floater gang like everyone else did this this past exactly. season. I mean, exactly. we, 
We saw Clark join it, Tillman, Tyus. I mean, that, that floater was relied upon heavy. You know, it's going to be mm-hmm. interesting. And you, you mentioned the three-point shot volume. It's good. It's really interesting for, for Grizzlies fans because, you know, we're used to Mark and Zebo and JV, who they, they relied heavy on that post game, dominating inside and stuff, playing more like traditional big men. And now we actually have like a modern big man who's hoisting six, seven, eight, nine threes a game. Mm-hmm. Like, are you cool with it to an extent? Or like, is it one of those things like it's just something we should get used to? And it's part of like what makes him special in his game. Yeah, that's what makes him special. Uh, Jaron was on pace uh, last year, not this year that just passed, but last year to beat Mike Miller's record for most made threes in the season. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's the type of guy we're talking about. A guy who, if he plays a healthy season, he'll demolish all the Grizzlies made threes records because he gets up a lot of shots and he makes a lot of shots. Jaron shot 40-something percent uh, year before last. Um, was the team's leading scorer for most of last year. He's a guy who regardless of what you say, he's the second best player on his team, talent-wise. It's just a matter of, is he gonna, is he gonna make it happen? And is he gonna put those things together? Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care if he's not a post player or not. Like I said, I'd like to see him be able to at least create more in the mid-range, whether it's a playmaker or get into the basket or even a mid-range jump shot or some type of sky hook or something. Oh, something yeah. in the mid-range. Something, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, I'm not mad at the threes at all, especially if he's taking them and making them. And, and he, we got to do something, man. We got to have somebody that uh, more than just, you know, the Desmond Baines of the world or Grayson, somebody that can, you know, make those, take and make three-point shots um, to kind of keep the defense honest. And, um, yeah, I don't, I'm not mad that he's, that he's taking that many threes at all if, if, he's, uh, if he's able to hit them, you know. So. It's really interesting because we watched that, that Utah series and the Grizzlies just didn't have the personnel – to really yeah. match up with Utah's three-point shooting. And one thing I think that's very important going into this offseason, whether it's the draft, free agency, or even just an internal improvement, is they got to get shooters with size. I mean, we saw in the postseason where Coach Jenkins was trying to rely on those lineups that we didn't see in the regular season between Grayson, Melton, and Bain all sharing the floor together. And ultimately, like, yeah, you're, you're getting your best shooters out on the floor, but you're also sacrificing size as well. So if you can get a, a seven-footer who is taking and making threes, not only at the same clip accuracy-wise as your guys like Desmond Bain and Grayson Allen and Anthony Melton, but also shooting it at the same frequency as those mm-hmm. guys right there, that's just going to be huge when it comes to the, those playoff matchups against teams like the Jazz or the Clippers or the Suns, that they have a lot of offensive firepower, and you're you're trying to have to keep up with it somehow. and. Uh, I, I just think that I, I think we should just be used to it. You know, we we haven't really had a prolific perimeter score like this since Rudy Gay. Mm-hmm. And then we've always talked about that being a hole in the Grizzlies core four era of they needed that perimeter scoring. I and mean, they tried so many times with, with Chandler Parsons, Jeff Green, those guys mm-hmm. of the world. But now – they got a guy who can play the four and the five while also providing that similar firepower to a, an, an NBA wing and a right. one. And that, like that, that's huge for this right. team's trajectory going forward. I, I, and, I, I get what you're saying about calling saying Jaren provides it outside, not calling Jaren a wing, but just the fact that Jaren can be a, such a dynamic scorer. 
Mm-hmm. That, that's play, what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's the fact that we saw the we saw Jaron in the bubble, healthy, looking like a demigod, like you said, making threes, getting to the basket like it was nothing to do, and ones. He was incredible. You know, we saw mm-hmm. that. We know that that's something he's able to do. And I think I, I, this is what I tell people all the time: you can be frustrated with Jaron Jackson Jr. all you like. This Grizzlies team is only going to be as good as Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be, and you can you can take that to the bank. If Jaron's a phenomenal player, this is going to be a phenomenal team. I even think that for the Grizzlies to be like a top-notch team, Jaron Jackson Jr. has to be your leading scorer. I mm-hmm. don't think that this team can be elite-level good if Ja is trying to score 30 and 40 points tonight, like he was doing in the playoffs. I think for the Grizzlies to be good, Jaron Jackson Jr. has to be the has to be the leading scorer in this team. Not the best player per se, but he has to be the leading scorer. You know what I mean? Just like Chris Paul isn't the leading scorer for the Phoenix Suns, but he's the reason why they're winning. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So he has to be, Jared has to be that guy. He has to be, he has to make Jaws' life easier and, and vice versa. So, like I said, he had a rough um, season in uh, 11-game season, rough playoffs. But I think it's it's on him, man. It's on him how he comes in next season because the, the sky is the limit for this team if, if Jaron Jackson Jr. is the phenomenal player that we both uh, think he could be. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is just all kind of a a product of the the inside the NBA first take undisputed era that we're living in right now, where we always like to focus on what a guy can't do instead of what a guy can do. You know, everybody, they want to harp on Jaron's rebounding or his fouling and, and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, we're watching a seven footer who's 21 years old, hoisting threes like he's Mike Miller, but also blocking mm-hmm. shots at an ex- absurd rate. He could play the five. I think one of the biggest things I took from the bubble is just his expansive offensive game and the fact that the mismatches that he creates because, I mean, we saw him on the perimeter taking guys like Ben Simmons and Zion Williamson off the dribble, but also, too, like when he's getting to that spot where he's like hitting trailing threes on fast breaks, you know, when he's playing the five, he has guys like Yusuf Nurkic having to come out on him and get away from the paint. And he also has that mobility and ball handling to where he mm-hmm. can take them to the rim and finish mm-hmm. at the rim as well. But, you know, like you alluded to, if he can add that dynamic where he's either adding a mid-range game or even if he's attacking those closeouts and hitting like one more pass over to a corner three shooter or somebody that's in the dunker spot, that's just only going to make the Grizzlies offense more right. dynamic. And I, I really think that this healthy offseason could bode well for him. and. Perhaps, I mean, he, he could be a guy that's in those conversations for most improved or I'm not going to say all-star because that, I mean, that's that's 12 all-star spots. It's hard to say, oh, someone's going to be an all-star next year. But, I mean, this this past season, before the season started, he was one of the leading odds guys for most improved. And I think this, right, this coming was. up season, he, could do, he mm-hmm. could do just that for sure. Yeah, for sure. I, to- I totally agree. Um, if he comes in and puts in the work, he could definitely be a guy that's considered for most improved player because he could have a monster year, man. Jaron could have mm-hmm. a season where he's scoring 20, 20 something, 20, 25 points a game. I could definitely see him having a season like that. He's because he could easily be the focus of our offense. Let Ja just play off of him, and we could be phenomenal. And I could definitely see it, but he's going to have to put in the work. Oh, yeah, sure. no, absolutely. Because, like you said, for the Grizzlies to really kind of take a leap, at least next season, because let's be real. I wrote about it today on Grizzly Bear Blues. There's not going to be a, a star trade that's going to help the Grizzlies 
take that next step, at least not this upcoming season. You're, you're not going to see anything like that. For the Grizzlies to actually take a leap and kind of move away from this playoff bubble team that's hovering around 7, 8, 9 to go up to like 4, 5, 6, it's going to all start with Jaron Jackson Jr. You know, what strides he makes, and even if he stays healthy as well. But uh, uh, one of the things I want to get you out with is I, I, the biggest – thing for the Grizzlies this summer is getting Jaron Jackson Jr. an extension. And this is going to be one of the more fascinating cases that we see like in the past decade for the Grizzlies, because it's going to just be like create so much tension of sorts, because you're going to have people that are going to say, Oh, don't give him that extension yet. Let him prove it. Or hell there's people out there on the extreme side that want to let him walk. But there's also like some where it's like, Hey, this guy's talented. He can he can be a max level player. Is he going to be there yet? No, but I would bank on him doing so. So, in what range would you a expect or b like to see the Grizzlies get Jaron Jackson Jr. on? Um, man, it's my opinion on this change all the time. I, I'm not extreme on either one of them. I'm definitely not the you know let him walk dude. <laughs> I'm definitely not him and all. And I'm definitely not the you know you got to lock him up now person. I'm somewhere in the middle. I think that it would be advantageous to go ahead and get it done now. Mm-hmm. Although you know that's going to have a perception hit because we haven't seen Jaron much. Just, just dead honest. Just, mm-hmm. a, just honest criticism of him, the situation, how he's been handled, all parties involved. We haven't seen Jaron enough. So if you sign him to anything that looks significant, people are going to complain about it. But I also don't want to see a Rudy Gay type situation all over again where you're haggling with a guy for money and you and he thinks he's worth this and you don't want to pay him that. Then he has this monster season. Now you're paying him a ridiculous max contract. You know what I mean? So I think if they can find something over the offseason that would be ideal for him and for them, they should go ahead and do it now because it can prevent that type of situation from happening. Because uh, he's your guy, he's your guy, man. If, if you if you want to build around him, the price for keeping him is going to be somewhere close to the max level, to a max level contract. And I think if he's your guy, you just got to pay him. Mm-hmm. And then what people have done, if you if you want to keep him around, pay the money to, to keep him around. That just is what it is. Plus, people got to keep in mind, man. Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Moran are friends. Right, they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what are you saying? The job you're screwing around with Jaron's contract, regardless of the situation, because. Just being uncut, we know that the Grizzlies came to Jaron. It's like, hey, I'm not gonna get into details, but we all we all very well understand things that were said and unsaid in these press conferences. That they came to Jaron's family. It's like, hey, we're not playing you till we think you're 110 percent, and Jaron agreed to it. So the mm-hmm. length of time that Jaron stayed out, we're watching Embiid play in the playoffs with the exact same injury Jaron had. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're watching them go, get out there and play. We, we saw Porzingis go in and out of the uh, roster the entire season with the same injury Jaron had. Jaron could have played, is my point. But the, but the, but the thing that the Grizz decided to do is, we're not going to play you until you're 110%. Fine. That's a, that's a decision they made as a mutual decision. So you can't really treat him like he's just some guy who didn't want to get out there, didn't, um, you know, has no desire to play. You know what I mean? They decided to keep him out as long as they did. They're the ones who said, when Taylor Jenkins said, oh, it's going to be good to see Jaron uh, to finish the season. When he said that, he wasn't joking because he knew the plan was to bring him around with 11, 12 games up on the season. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know, he knew that was the plan. So you can't 
you can't punish him for something that was a mutual agreement between all right. So I think they should do, and I and Ja realizes that as well. Ja knows the situation. And I'm sure there were moments of frustration that Jaron had where he was like, you know, maybe I should maybe I should tweet about maybe I should tweet that I like a Boston Celtics tweet telling me to go to Boston. Those are the type of moments you have when you're going through those type of frustrations. And being that you put him through um, that type of situation where you asked him not to come back early and he agreed to it or come, not to come back ahead of time and he, he was fine with it. You got to do right by him and you can't just leave him out there because Jaws looking because he's up next. Mm-hmm. He you know is up I mean? next. So, yeah, so you have to be smart with how to handle this offseason um, without a doubt. You definitely have to be smart. You just can't do it any kind of way. Yeah. I'm optimistic that they're going to get an extension nailed down because, I mean, I, I'm just taking it from the exit interviews. You know, Zach mm-hmm. Kleiman stressed time and time again. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a corner franchise cornerstone for us. We yep. have high expectations for him. He is that guy with jaw who is going to be our cornerstone guy. I And then also like a, a little bit of a lighthearted thing. There was this little moment in, uh, in the exit interviews where – uh, Jaron was texting somebody and something about a, a gift came up. And uh, I, I think it was Evan Barnes that asked about, oh, like what, what kind of gift was that? And he goes, oh, I just uh, sending this. I forgot what it was. It wasn't, I don't know if it was something like Pokemon gift or something to Zach Kleiman because they were supposed to meet after they were uh, after his interview. And I mean, just mm. on a, like a, a lighthearted note, you're not that comfortable with somebody if you don't have a good working relationship with them, if that kind of makes mm-hmm. sense. And I, I think that's something the Grizzlies. What, what was that? I get what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, like the, they, they've had open communication. Like there's no breach of communication between those guys. You assume that the right thing is going to get done. And you assume the climate wants to go ahead and get it done. Cause it's a perception thing. Look at, look at the Atlanta Hawks, how people like myself judge their off season. Like, okay, you went out and spent all that money. But you didn't give an extension to your 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 guy who's on a rookie deal, your young mm-hmm. power forward, John Collins. Yeah. just as good as Jaron. Yeah, I said you guys are goofy. Why are you taking care? You spent all this money that you took care of John Collins. That was one of the biggest reasons why I had the criticism in my head. And now you had that lingering the entire off the entire season. They've done well, but now we have to see what they're going to do with John Collins. What if they What if they lose him? What if a team throws crazy money at him and they say, okay, you know, we got to let John go? What do you, How do you look at the future for? the Hawks going forward if John Collins is gone. You know what I mean? So um, I think the Grizzlies should go ahead and get it done because you hate to be in a situation where he, he looks ridiculous and now it's like, oh, and remember, Jared Jackson Jr. is a is a free agent this summer. The teams, uh, you don't want to have it. Just go ahead and get yep. it done, man. Just go ahead and get it done. I mean, people, no matter what you do, if, it, if it's $5 million or $50 million, people are going to be mad regardless. Well, he just make them wait. Just do it, man, and, and, and just hope that he – and ensure that he comes out and proves on the court next year. Make sure he's doing what he needs to do in the offseason. And, uh, yeah, you, you you can't screw around with that those contracts, though, man. Just go ahead and get it done. Like, we did this to Rudy Gay, and we paid for it big time. So, we we, we overpaid him when we could have had him for, for way less. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm not going to be mad either way because, you know, at the end of the day, you're keeping him. You're keeping him. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a guy that you drafted. He developed. He yep. developed to the point where he turned into that guy that you give, let's say, like a hundred million dollar extension to. I like the mm-hmm. one that Bobby Marks from ESPN tossed out there. It was like four years, eighty million, similar to Jonathan Isaac, who had a similar knee injury. I- I'm thinking it's going to be more of like between eighty and hundred million. But even then, you locked him up. 
and you got Jaren's running mate right next yeah, to him. Make it happen. It's, yeah. it, it's, He's up it's next. all good. Let hey, John see the Let's let John see that you that you're confident on making it work. That you want to keep this core together. Mm-hmm. Let totally. him see his boys get taken care of. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. You know. Uh, how, how hilarious would it be if uh, the team that stole Atlanta away from John uh, stole John Collins away from Atlanta? If it was Memphis, they ought to have that Winslow deal and just signed John Collins to that massive offer sheet. <laughs> uh, you yeah, you crazy. would you would be living it up to the Atlanta Hawks fans oh, yeah. that were in the timeline. Oh man, oh man, I destroy them. I destroy all of them. And Sinestro would be over there losing his mind. Uh, <laughs> he'd, be pulling, he'd be pulling that little thin hair out of his head, going crazy over there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, that that's all about time we have today. Sam, do you have any final remarks before we close the show? No, man, just, you know, glad I could come on with you uh, while you're still while you're still on this level. You're a rising star in media, man, so I'm glad I could come on with you here because you, you uh, may be somewhere where I'm not, I'm not welcome to come on with you one day, man. That's, that's what happens to my media friends. <laughs> we go down paths. <laughs> we go down paths where we can't hop on each other's show no more, man. We start our podcasting together, man. Then we start getting actual jobs that we, we can't hop on each other's show no more. And that's what hurts. That's what sucks sometimes. You love seeing your friends succeed and move on, but, you know, there's rules to the game. So uh, I'm glad I can talk to you now, man, while, while we're all – while you're doing your indi- – well, well quasi-independent thing with uh, for Grizzly Bear Blues. So thanks man. for having me on, bro. And keep doing your thing. Congratulations on your, your uh, proposal. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So if you uh, don't follow me on Twitter or Facebook or anything, I, I propose to uh, my girlfriend of a year and a half, Allie Allen. Shout out to her. Can't wait to steal her, uh, for her to take my last name and be with me forever, for better, or for worse. But no, I, I'm glad you got to come on the show because, you, hey, you know, hey. I got to I got to get you on before. Next thing I know, I got to start going to an agent and getting a booking. Fee. Oh, it's coming, man. It's coming. Yeah. I've been, uh, yeah. I got some lawyer friends I've been talking to, man. I'm about to start being that dude, man. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's gonna happen to you, man. So yeah, you wanna hi- hi- hype up anything before we uh get off the show here? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, check out Asylum Tees nine on one dot com. A uh, ton of business gear that I have there. Uh, you can I do custom things. If you guys want something that I don't have there, uh, I can definitely make it for you. We can get together and come up with an idea for you. Um, any shirt I have, I can make it into uh, uh, um, children's ladies styles. You know, so keep that in mind as well. But yeah, man, trying to trying to make some major moves, bro. Trying to get some stuff, some on hand stuff ready uh, for maybe when the season starts, watch parties, Cooper Young Festival, things like that. So uh, yeah, just trying to take everything to the next the next wave, man. I feel that, man. I appreciate you coming on. If I mean, if y'all if y'all are in Grizzlies Twitter and you don't follow Sane already at Sane, I'm wrong with you. Yeah, you're you're not really in Grizz Twitter, or you're just a hater. If you follow me today. If you follow me after you hear this podcast, I'm blocking your ass. It's, it's, it's just no. <laughs> just, just no. If you're late to the party, you're going to be too late. Man. I'm blocking you. It's just going to be that on there. All new, no new followers today, for sure. Absolutely. No, you can follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. That's where I post. You can I follow post. me, too. Yeah, you can follow yeah. me, too. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He won't block you. No, he, <laughs> he, he's he's capping on y'all. No, y'all had to uh, – yeah, y'all, y'all need to follow him too. He's got all the great content, even even though he's getting nothing but cardio uh, when he's covering these games. First team all cardio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had yeah, to pull I go, that I one out there. The, when I go to the game, I'm chilling. Hey, hey, nobody pulled the. You don't remember this? I don't think you were around for this. When Jarvis Greer came to the Grizzly game with a full Grizzly warm up. <laughs> Wait, who was this? Jarvis Greer, the OG. 
lot. He is an OG. Yeah, the original pop star. In the locker room with a warm up. That is amazing. That is awesome. No, I mean, I guess that's that's stuff you can do when you're the the media pop star. Oh, that's the what you can do, man. Pop star, the media influencer. Like yeah, we don't move like y'all move, man. Come on, and they know better. They know better than to say something, man. Come on. Yeah, you no, know you fall. So follow both of us on Twitter at Pac underscore Flocka at oh, yeah. Saint Asylum. Make sure you are liking, subscribing, and downloading to the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast. Read Grizzly Bear Blues' work at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies and listen to the Sports 56 Morning Show every morning with Anthony Sane and Peter Edmondson as well. And that's all, folks. Thank you.